This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, June 29th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, lawsuit claims wage theft and trafficking. Nuclear readies for Water Day celebration. Rainbow shines on Telluride Crosswalk and a mountain weather forecast. A group of women have filed a federal class action lawsuit against the Madeline Hotel and Mountain Premier Cleaning Services for alleged wage theft, unlawful retention, labor trafficking, and breach of contract. This lawsuit focuses on a couple of workers plus a class that they're representing um, of Mexican workers that were working at the Madeline Hotel and residences in Telluride. Um, And what we're alleging here is that um, this hotel, as well as the labor contractor, Um, We're engaging in things like wage theft, we're not paying overtime, we're not paying breaks, for things like that. And we're also alleging that the labor contractor is engaging in trafficking. That's Natasha Vettiri, an attorney with Towards Justice, one of the firms representing the women in the lawsuit. So basically that means that a lot of these workers came to the U.S. under false pretenses. You know, they were kind of sold one bill of goods and told what it was going to be like. And then um, once they got here, it was kind of a different story. The lawsuit was filed earlier this year and claims the plaintiffs, a group of former housekeepers at the hotel, came to Telluride under the H-2B visa program, which allows U.S. employers to bring individuals from other countries to work in seasonal positions to fill jobs they would not be able to otherwise fill. Vettiri notes while the lawsuit only names four women, they are acting on behalf of a class of individuals. We have these four amazing women who are plaintiffs. Each year we have several seasons of H2B workers that come through to be able to do these jobs. And just from speaking to these plaintiffs, we knew this was happening to a lot more people. So um, these four plaintiffs represent the interests and have the responsibility of kind of, you know, making sure that they're carrying the case for everyone else. Um, But through these plaintiffs, we're we're trying at least to resolve this for a whole group of workers that were affected by these these things. Vettiri says a win in the case would be getting all the wages back to the employees, as well as any fees or costs they spent on the visa itself. A lot of those fees have to be returned by the employers and have to be reimbursed. And we've seen that in this case, that was not done. And in addition to that, I mean, we do have trafficking claims against, against a lot of labor contractors. So if you look at our complaint, um, trafficking can look a lot of different ways. Obviously, we have the idea of labor trafficking. But, for example, one of our clients, one of our plaintiffs, um, had her Social Security kept by the employer. So for us, the victory there would be to get get that document back as well. Of course, you know, in the big picture, we'd love to have some of these these systems and, you know, the way that the H2B visa program works to be a little bit, you know, maybe more of course, because we see that there's a lot of abuses happening around that kind of labor arrangement. But as I said, for us and our clients, getting those wages back would be top. But at the heart of the matter, Vatiri says she hopes the lawsuit will help shift labor practices around the H-2B visa program. This is something that will continue to come up. Um, you know, that whole skiing tourism and everything that really sustains Colorado Stars tourism is on the backs of not only immigrants, but, you know, immigrant workers as well. So, Um, I I suspect this will continue to happen and hopefully um, all of these lawsuits will kind of change the direction that employers are going and get them to kind of, you know, follow the rules. Vettiri says they could settle the case rather than going to trial, but it's too early in the process to determine how the case will conclude. KOTO News reached out to counsel representing the defendants. They did not respond by broadcast deadline. Many a small town keeps their own 4th of July traditions, perhaps a parade, a cookout, or a firework display. 
in Nukla, those celebrations also honor the town's unique history and its connection to water. Ahead of the festivities, KOTO's Gavin McGough spoke with an event organizer to learn more. Nukla is a town with a ditch, and that fact of its history has made all the difference, mostly because the ditch brings water. Without um, the water, there would probably be no Nukla, basically. That's Tina Carver, a member of the three-person committee which organizes the town's annual Water Day celebration. To understand the importance of Water Days, Carver points back to the 1880s when a group of businessmen in Denver set out in search for a place to found a new community. So they sent out the scouts, they discovered the San Miguel River and this area, and they said this will be the perfect spot. So they set together uh, selling shares in a ditch that they would build up to Nucla. And it took them nine years, nine to ten years, to get the ditch. They dug it all by hand up to Nucla. And they incorporated the town in 1904. And so when they did that, the pioneers, all those guys, they would get together once a year and celebrate. And it was usually around the 4th of July, and it would just be a picnic. Eventually, that first iteration of Water Days fell away. Then, in the 1980s, it was revived by the Lions Club in Nucla. Carver continues, They ran it for several years until they didn't have any more members and and couldn't do it. And so then it was taken over by volunteers and committees. And I joined in like 2016, somewhere in there, and started running it. But, you know, people, very few people um, volunteer to do it. And so after a while, you get burnt out. <laughs> Carver and the two other committee members now work year-round to fundraise for the celebration, which takes place over a weekend near the 4th of July. The festivities include a pancake breakfast, food vendors, and a parade down Nucla's Main Street, fireworks when conditions allow, a band, and a horseshoe throwing contest with a cash prize. And then around 1 or 2 o'clock, our fire department comes down and they spray their hoses onto the roads and all the kids get down into that and, uh, spray and get soaking wet. And they really enjoy that. Over the years, the celebration has grown and changed. It acts as a weekend of homecoming for many who grew up in the Nucla area and keep ties to the community. But, Carver says, for her, the most important aspects come back to tradition. I'm in it because I don't want to see it go away. And it's, it's part of the history of the town to me. And, um, and I love our history and the town of Nucla. I think it's really cool how it was built and how those pioneers went in there by hand and dug the, that ditch all the way to Nuqua. And, they, all, and it was, they worked together to do it. Local businesses, Citizen State Bank, Crossfire Concrete, and Tooker Electric all sponsor the event. Carver says they have made it possible this year, along with the work of the organizing committee. The Water Days kick off Saturday, July 1st with a pancake breakfast at the Senior Center on Main Street in Nucla and continue throughout the day and into Saturday night. All are welcome at the free event. The entrance to Telluride is now a little bit brighter. A rainbow is emblazoned across West Colorado Avenue in front of Rainbow Rascals Rockies. Well, the name of the school is the Rainbow Preschool, 
and they have an afternoon care which is Rockies and they have a daycare which is Rascals and being right here on Main Street the rainbow name is really what started the painting of the actual rainbow. That's Madison Wheeler board member for Rainbow Rascals Rockies. The crosswalk directly in front of the preschool is no longer a series of white stripes on pavement it's a Roy G. Biv masterpiece. On Wednesday, staff, parents, and board members took to the street with a can of paint. I am just cutting in the lines of orange, and we're doing five of each color along the way. Um, I've got Galena doing red. I've got Noah on the orange. While painting a few lines of color on the road may seem like a small task, Wheeler notes it's actually been months in the making. I've had to work with different paint um, specialists and just figure out what's going to work the best. So we're actually using a primer to prime the concrete. Um, and then we're using an enamel, hoping that this is going to be long lasting. Um, the town does have to paint these white stripes every few months. So they're working through a process, figuring out what works best for them. Um, and we're hoping that this um, primer with the colors on top is going to be um, better for longevity. And then we're sprinkling in the reflector on top of the wet paint as well. So that's going to help give that reflection off, especially at nighttime. As the team continues to paint, an excited neighbor checks out the project. Yay, I love, I love our neighbors. You guys are rock stars. Thank you. It looks Thank so you. great. Thank you so much. Aww. Thank Don't you, you for the support. So good. Wheeler says on the whole, they've had a positive response. You know, everyone who's walked by this morning is actually super excited to see it. And um, that's really heartwarming, being part of the community. Everyone's excited. You know, we thought we may have gotten some pushback. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure things will happen. But for now, I think we're in a really good place with the representation of the Crosswalk Rainbow Preschool and bringing awareness to people actually slowing down is the really important thing that we want to get across here. When you're driving down Main Street, take a moment to bask in the rainbow goodness of the preschool crosswalk. And also remember, take it slow. The smallest in our community are trying to get to school. It's summer in the San Juans, and that means ample opportunities to get outside. It also means the potential for disease. San Miguel County Public Health has a few tips for staying safe from animal-borne diseases this summer. First, public health officials encourage everyone to wear insect repellent and protective clothing to protect from tick-borne diseases and mosquito bites. Officials also urge owners to keep pet vaccinations up to date to prevent rabies. Rodents in southwest Colorado often carry plague, so individuals should avoid approaching wild animals and protect family and pets from flea bites. Tularemia, a bacterium found in rabbits and rodents, can be detected in water, soil, and carcasses, so be sure to wear gloves while trapping or dressing animals. If you experience a sudden onset of fever, chills, muscle aches, or rash, contact your doctor immediately. More information is available at San Miguel County Public Health or the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. One part of One More Pass is finally open. San Miguel County announced on Thursday, Tomboy Road from the town of Telluride to the town of Tomboy is now open for vehicle traffic. Imogene Pass, Ofer Pass, and Black Bear Pass remain closed. The county has not begun work on those sections. Last Dollar Pass and the Norwood Dolores Road are both open as well. 
Colorado is the United States' second most independent state. That's according to WalletHub, a personal finance website. WalletHub looked to find where Americans are the most self-reliant, opposed to relying on support from the federal government. The group compared the 50 states based on five sources of dependency, consumer finances, the government, the job market, international trade, and personal vices, then broke down the categories to determine which states are most self-sustaining. Colorado ranked ninth when it comes to the share of adults saving for children's college education, 18th when it comes to the number of federal, state, and local government workers, ninth for the share of adults who smoke, and second for the share of jobs supported by exported goods. Colorado came in second behind Utah when it comes to the most independent state. A stretch of unusually wet weather over the last few months helped erase drought conditions across much of the western U.S. KUNC's Alex Hager says that's according to new findings from drought scientists. As recently as last fall, more than 70% of the West was in some level of drought. Now that's down to just 15%. Brian Fuchs is a climatologist with the National Drought Mitigation Center. The data shows big changes in New Mexico, Utah, and Arizona. Unlike some past presentations that I've given for uh, the Southwest, this one's actually uh, has some good news in it. The forecast through the end of this summer shows hotter, drier conditions for the next few months, especially in Arizona and New Mexico. I'm Alex Hager. Denver Pride is one of the biggest LGBTQ plus pride celebrations in the country, drawing more than half a million people over the weekend. The event came just seven months after a person opened fire at Club Q, an LGBTQ club in Colorado Springs. This year, Delta had its own representation in Denver. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Cassie Knust has more. That's a crowd of over half a million people cheering at Denver Pride. And they're cheering for Delta Colorado's Javier Sainz, also known as Javier Van Dyke. Javier is the founder of Delta Pride and is the head of the Van Dyke drag family. He says the experience of performing at Denver Pride was a dream come true for a small town trans man. It started a few months ago. I saw that they were doing some auditions and it's something that I dreamed about doing. And now that I've turned 50 years old, I kind of put it on my bucket list and, you know, kind of figure I'm getting up there. And I was given the opportunity to perform on Sunday Center Stage, which was, you know, that was the whole main thing is being on the Marcio's Sunday performances. It was pretty amazing. Javier performed two songs during his Denver performance on Saturday in colorful fashion lip-syncing to Queen's Break Free and Chris Houseman's Drag Queen. I thought that was important because, of course, being a transgender male, breaking free is pretty important to show that, you know, in a positive light for, you know, everybody in the community to see it in a positive light. And the song Drag Queen, because drag performers have been put, you know, there's been a horrible spin put on them. And I wanted to show there's nothing horrible about the performances that some of us do, you know. Of course, being absolutely nervous and freaking out, I looked out in the crowd and I saw some amazing people and some familiar faces and the nerves kind of went away. And, you know, now that I'm talking about it, all the emotions are coming to me of the incredible experience. 
being able to see my friends, especially, and then getting messages from people telling me, you know, even when they called your name, they knew who you were. And so being, you know, a small town boy, being on center stage in Denver Pride, you know, with half a million people there, and, you know, I, I was told like 8,000 people that are fitting in the bowl right there in front of center stage, you know, for some people to know who I was was pretty amazing. And so the song started and they sang back to me. I mean, it was the dream of Freddie Mercury, you know, where he sings live and they sing back to him. And I got that experience. And it was incredible to be seen. Javier also founded an initiative called Saved by Drag. It's what he calls social activism voiced by the entertainers of drag. He also says performing has saved his life. It helped me be okay with who I am as a transgender male and helped me understand because I had no education. There was nobody around me that looked like me or could help me to understand what I was going through and what I was feeling. What I'm trying to do is make sure that people understand that we're people too. And when we perform, it's not always negative. It's not always perverted. And, you know, I think of it as a genre. You know, sometimes you take your kids to these movies because they're okay for kids, and you don't take your kids to other movies because they're not okay for kids. That's the same with drag. I have performers that are youth, and I was a youth one. (laughs) And so I just want people to see the truth about what drag really is. It's not disgusting. And it saved my life. It helped me be me, and it can help me to help other people. For more information about Delta Pride, visit the organization's website at deltapride.com. For KVNF, I'm Cassie Knust. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 40 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Friday should be sunny with a high in the mid-70s. There is a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Friday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 40. Saturday calls for sunny skies during the day and clear skies at night. The high is near 80 degrees with a low around 45. This has been the news for Thursday, June 29th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.